we back, we back for another one. We back, we back, we back, gang. What's up, motherfuckers? <laughs> Welcome back to the second installment of Love Kills, gang, gang, where we examine the craziest cases where uh, people's twisted love led them to commit unspeakable crimes. Today, yeah, we're going into one. Today's case is even more interesting because the subject is, or excuse me, was an uh, was an LAPD officer for quite a while. And some say that was the reason why the case took so long to ultimately be closed because this bitch fucking, yeah, she was getting help. It's what a lot of people think. Nothing's been proven. Nothing's definitive. But you will see when I go through this case, when you guys hear some of these things, you're going to be like, Okay, yeah, we got to talk about some of that shit because that looks a little corrupt in some way or another. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of obvious. I mean, even though it wasn't proven, it's it's pretty fucking obvious. You guys will see. You guys will be like, for real, they got away with that shit. Because <laughs> I was when I was reading it, I was like, no one got in trouble for this. No one got sued. All right, this is fucking ridiculous <laughs> damn lapd y'all dirty <laughs> um i hope everyone had a good super bowl weekend uh i hate the result but uh you know i always love watching good football and i, I hope everyone's uh enjoying the week so far uh sorry for the hiccup and the delay for this episode but uh yesterday it was just out of my control i don't know what happened to half of my recording it just fucking disappeared <laughs> i was like what? <laughs> so yeah, I apologize for for the delay, gang. But because of that delay, now you get a two episode day, and it's it's a two for one day. So hey, I mean, it's it's still kind of all good, you know. <laughs> uh, so today we will be examining Stephanie Lazarus uh, and uh, how she stole the life of Sherry Rasmussen, all over her obsession with the college fling, you know, uh, John Rutten. Rutten, Rutten, uh, I've heard it said both ways. Uh, I'm going to say Rutten because it looks like Rutten to me. Um, and when I say obsession, you guys will see that this was like that crazy psychotic obsession that, uh, you know, that I'm going to scratch your car up. I'm going to, you know, key your car, break your windows. You know, that type of obsession is... Uh, is what I'm going to be talking about today. Um, ooh, excuse me. Got the burpees. Ooh, my shake, my morning shake, it gives me a, a little burpee for a couple minutes after I drink it. So that's what's going to get me. But don't worry, I'll be fine. <laughs> so let's dig into this wild case that will stretch over four different decades. Uh, yeah, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010. That's when it's concluded finally in 2012. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a long one and it shouldn't have taken this long. And you will see that it shouldn't have taken this long. But like I said, LAPD is a corrupt sons of bitches. And they made sure Stephanie didn't get caught up. And I wish those motherfuckers got busted. But as we've seen, LAPD doesn't get busted for much. They get away with 
everything. I mean, they got away with beating a fucking dude on camera. <laughs> it's like, like, God damn. Like, how, how else do you need to fucking see it at that point? <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll show how these four decades should have been completely nullified and it should have been solved in a year or two at max. Uh, and show how sometimes, unfortunately... But first things first, you know we got to do what we got to do. We got to light one up, gang. Come on now. You know how it goes up in the Token Talk studios. My God. I'm talking about instant lung expansion. Oh my goodness. My God. It. <coughs> it's just. <coughs> it's just tingling my throat. <coughs> oh my goodness. <coughs> mimosa cakes, guys. If you guys ever get a chance to get mimosa cakes from Wolfpack, go get it. Go go to Wolfpack right now, matter of fact, because they got. I'd say about 40 to 50 strains. And out of that 40 to 50, I would say 95% of them are fire. Fire. I'm talking about banking. But their exclusive shelf is where you guys need to go. Whew. This mimosa cakes is just the flavors out of this goddamn world. Man. I might actually have to start doing a little side piece weed review <laughs> type thing because man some of these strains lately have just been the terps are just mind-boggling they just they change in your mouth and then when you inhale they you get all kinds of different feelings in your lungs and your head oh it's just oh it's just amazing this is most cases just it'll wake you up but it'll also will relax you all at the same time it's it's quite amazing, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's perfect for podcasting is what I'm trying to say, because like I said, it relaxes you, but it's going to get me like, yeah, I'm going to read this shit like this is fucking, yeah, this is going to be fun, <laughs> but uh, I'm very chill. I'm, I'm relaxed. I'm, I'm, I'm in my comfy seat right now. Bubba's over here. I don't know if you can hear that shit in the background, but I'm fucking I, I moved him away from the mic as far as possible, but this fucker's got a bone in here and he's chewing that shit. <laughs> and I don't want to stop him because, you know, he's entertaining himself. So, fuck it, right? I can edit out the, the chewing sounds, I guess, if if it's too annoying. But, god damn it, but why you got to make noise? <laughs> so... Guys, we're going to head on back to the 70s to start this one. Um, and we're not starting, we're not going to talk about her, you know, her life history. Um, I didn't see that as being a big part of the story uh, or a big, like, uh, thing that would describe or, you know, explain her behavior or her psychosis. So I'm, I'm just going to skip over her background. Uh, it's not like I'm profiling a serial killer to where I have to look at the background and you know, dig into that so you can understand the crimes they committed. This one, 
she was just a you know a crazy bitch that snapped over uh, obsession of love and besides that there's not a lot of information out there about her past you know there's little tidbit stuff <clears throat> nothing you know noteworthy to talk about so yeah we're just gonna skip all that and we're gonna jump into when she started college in 1978 uh so stephanie met john rutan uh while they were both attending ucla so they they occasionally dated but when i say dated i don't mean like like dated like they were boyfriend girlfriend exclusive type shit it was more of just you know the loose term of dating just like we just you know we hang out we 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 fuck around sometimes you know that type of deal uh, uh john described it as more of a friends with benefits type of situation so you know that you know, a lot of y'all have dealt with that or, or dealing with that you know you got a friend with a benefit you know hey i ain't knocking that that shit is is great if you are single and you are mingling having a friend with a benefit <laughs> is a good thing to have so hey in college, it's the perfect time to have a friend with a benefit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> the college is the time to have friends, multiple friends with benefits. If you if you can, have some fun, explore, get a little crazy, get freaky. Um, unless you're my fucking niece, uh, Jasmine. If you ever listen to this podcast, because uh, sometimes I know you you will, you better not be doing shit in college. Like, you understand me? I know you in school right now. And God damn it, I, oh, I oh, get that out of my mind. <laughs> you boys better stay away from my fucking niece over there, UNC Greensboro. I'll fuck you up. Um, <laughs> uh, so both uh, both of them were avid athletes. Stephanie played for uh, the JV basketball team. Uh, John and his brother both played basketball as well. So, you know, they connected on that mutual, you know, athletics, you know, they both were in good shape, good bodies. Both were good looking people. You know, Stephanie wasn't that bad looking. That picture I posted or the picture that's, you know, linked to this is is not how she used to look. She was a she was a pretty good looking chick back in the day. Uh, John was a good looking, handsome fella and doing he was well off and he was tall and, you know, all the all the things the ladies looking for. So, you know, they, they both uh, they both vibed on on that and connected on that level. So <clears throat> remember how I said she was obsessed? Um, yeah, this bitch was fucking crazy. <laughs> so she routinely stole John's clothes when he showered to, quote, keep his smell around. Um, <laughs> yeah, fucking weird. Um, I hope a woman never does that with me. Please, if don't ever take my clothes and fucking smell them that's that's fucking scary <laughs> that's automatic serial killer <laughs> serial killer or killer one or the other you, you're gonna do one of them if you steal someone's clothes to keep their smell around because eventually you're gonna want to keep them around <laughs> and sometimes you know people don't voluntarily stick around and you gotta keep them there <laughs> So, and uh, she also took pictures of him while he was sleeping. So, yeah, that one, that one's just, that's some scary shit. Because to me, that is like forecasting, I want to see you dead, motherfucker. I just want to see you in this position. <laughs> that's what I think of when I, when I hear that. 
I mean, that, y'all might think something else, but that's what I, I'm thinking. That shit's disturbing as a motherfucker to me. <laughs> so Stephanie graduated in 1982 and soon after surprised her family and, uh, and she applied to the police academy and became a uniformed police officer in 1983. Yeah, everyone was shocked by that. She did not seem like the cop type. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if there's a type maybe, but she definitely didn't fit that, that type that you would think would become a cop. Um, you know, good looking young lady, good head on her shoulders and, you know, an athlete, you know, they, they thought she would have went into something else, but she did what she did and she, she would excel. Uh, at this same time, John had went to work for a hard drive manufacturer, Micropolis and got a prime position with the company. Uh, so, yeah, he, w- he was doing good as well. Uh, he was excelling in his career as well. So, you know, they're both grinding and, and, and doing good. So, John, <clears throat> John was excelling. He was doing well. Uh, and this is when he would meet Sherry. Oh, excuse me. Excuse me again. So, him and Sherry met uh, soon after he started working there, and the two instantly hit it off and began dating. Uh, so Sherry had quite the career going for herself, entering college at only 16 and by her early twenties, when she'd met John, she was already the director of nurses at Glendale medical center. So, I mean, this girl was already grinding and killing it. So you got quite the power couple here going, uh, and both are on the fast track in their respective careers and falling hard for each other. Uh, all while crazy Stephanie was just grinding with the LAPD. Um, but old Steph was about to find out John ain't fucking with her no more. Well, not fucking with her on that type of level that heavy. So <laughs> shit's about to get real funny. Well, I don't know if you say funny, but more of a forecasting. Uh, at one point, uh, <laughs> Stephanie decided to throw John a surprise birthday party on his 25th birthday. Mind you, Johnny boy's dating uh, Sherry now. So, (laughs) awkward. (laughs) But Stephanie was unaware that they were dating. And uh, she was definitely unaware that it was like serious. So... Yeah, she didn't take this too well. She didn't. She didn't. She didn't take it too well. She uh, she took it pretty hard. Pretty hard. She um, took it hard enough to write John's fucking mom a letter. <laughs> Mind you, they never were serious. They weren't dating. They never got real. Nothing was ever real. Nothing was ever like on that level of oh, you can meet my mom. Mom, this is my girlfriend. None of that type of shit. And this bitch had the nerve to write her a letter. (laughs) Man, this, (laughs) this woman was, (laughs) oh man, she, she was, uh, she's, Stephanie's a funny one. She's a funny one. So, uh, in the letter she wrote to John's mom, she said, uh, quote, I'm truly in love with John, and the past year has really torn me up, end quote. Uh, and then, Jesus, uh, then in August 1985, 
she wrote her and it quote said, I wish it didn't end the way it did. And I don't think I'll ever understand his decision. So when I say forecasting, that last part of that sentence is kind of, to me, it was kind of her saying, I don't understand why she he would pick her over me. I got to change that. Like, that's like what I'm getting. Because this, like, she's writing a woman that d- doesn't even fucking know her. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing? Shit was wild. Man, if I was John, I would have been like, hold up. You did what? Girl, no. Nah, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. You can't be right, my mom's bitch. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> so, in her own journal, Stephanie wrote, quote, I really don't feel like working. I found out John is getting married. Uh, uh, So, I mean, now she's kind of showing signs of it really affecting her. Like, she doesn't even want to work. So, it's kind of one of those things that you're like, okay, this girl, she's, she's real. She's, she's a real one. Yeah. Hey, Bubba, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, uh, Bubba's over here doing some weird shit. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing, bro? Bubba, what are you, what are you doing? Oh! <laughs> Watch your head, man. Jesus Christ. That's the second time you've done that to where I feel like you almost broke this goddamn table, bro. Watch your head. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fuck around and concuss yourself, son. Damn. <laughs> I can't I can't afford to have you getting concussions, buddy. Not not right now. <laughs> um so uh where was I? Oh, so Stephanie, of course, depressed, started to feel that extreme depression hitting her. Um, so she decided, all right, fuck it. I'm gonna go see him. So Stephanie went and visited John at his stu- uh, at his condo, and uh, she convinced him to you know give her some closure and to have sex with her. Um, <laughs> and I don't say convinced like she tricked the motherfucker. She just was. She probably came in and was like wearing some sexy shit and was like, "You want fuck?" <laughs> and he was like, "Hmm." Yes. <laughs> and uh yeah, he fucked up. He shouldn't have done that shit. Uh yeah, bro. You you with a person like this, you gotta just disconnect and end that shit. Cause all he did was just he just kept on building, 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 and building shit up. So uh yeah, he fucked up a lot. He definitely kept feeding her psychosis and feeding all the bullshit that she was thinking by talking to her and having sex with her still. But you will see that's not the reason. I'm not blaming John for that bitch being crazy. It's, he's, he's, he's partly to blame for his stupidity, uh, his stupidity causing his wife to become a target because he kept her in his life. But, you know, that's about it. I mean... It's not his fault or someone else is going crazy. Uh, so 
later that night, um, uh, later that night that they had sex, Stephanie awoke a fellow officer she roomed with to, you know, commiserate. And, you know, that was just what she was feeling at the time. So now you're going to start to see how uh, the crazy evolves until she eventually snaps completely. So during <laughs> yeah, this bitch is wild. Uh, during their engagement, <laughs> Stephanie uh, brought her skis to the apartment uh, so that John could, you know, wax them for. Her. Yeah, weird request, right? Um, and they're engaged, so of course they live together. And Stephanie uh, or uh, Sherry was like. Um, the fuck are you doing here, bitch? <laughs> and she was like, nah, you ain't waxing no skis, motherfucker. Get the fuck out of here, girl. And despite that, John was like, give me the fucking skis, man. I'll do it. And, you know, Sherry was like, that's a little strange. Like, why are you doing favors for this bitch? Like, why are you, why are you doing favors for this? And why is this bitch wearing these sexy ass little workout clothes? What's up with this? booty shorts and fucking tank top shit like she was trying to she was trying to you know wow john and make him you know get a little horny <laughs> and and he she wanted to make sure she did it in front of sherry to kind of just put a stain in their fucking relationship she did that on purpose to to put that 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 shit into sherry's mind and it worked and it would work on most women most women would would be like Sherry was, and she, you know, Sherry was a little pissed off. She was like, "Yo, what the fuck? This bitch can't be dropping off skis for you to wax, nigga. You ain't no fucking wax or ski waxer, motherfucker. <laughs> this ain't your job. She paying you, nigga. Then nah, fuck that. Get the fuck out of here with your skis, bitch. <laughs> and his, you know, fiance, of course, is gonna do what most fiancés would do. She asked, "Hey, is your relationship really?" over with this bitch like I, I i find it a little strange she just thinks she can pop up over here and drop off some skis and john of course was like look we ain't fucking around no more we done so chill even though he did fuck her you know like i said a few weeks back he, he, he smashed so you know he's saying that he's lying to his fiance right now basically um that the two were just friends um friends with benefits yeah they were friends like they were in college is basically what <laughs> he he should have said that and then he would have been a little more honest but um he just lied and said they were just friends um so a few days later stephanie returned to pick up the wax skis but she waited for john to leave this time mm -hmm. and she waited for john to leave Oops, excuse me John leaves, she pulls up in her fucking uniform, and she's fucking strapped. <laughs> so she's like, she's trying to pull the old intimidation without intimidation. You know what I'm saying? You just kind of show people like, you know what I could do to you, right, motherfucker? I'm just letting you know, you know, I'm letting you know. Watch your back. Um, so... Of course, Sherry was fucking freaked out by this shit and unnerved. 
And, you know, she pleaded with John, like, yo, just tell Stephanie to leave me the fuck alone. Stop popping up and showing up over here. And I'm good. I don't give a fuck if y'all friends. Just tell her to don't come around me. Is basically all she said. She was just like, you can be friends with her, even though it's fucking weird. But just tell her to leave me the fuck alone. Stop coming by. Stop trying to be weird. And, you know, just be a normal fucking cop motherfucking go do your job bitch (laughs) quit intimidating people um so john only said there was nothing to their relationship and that you know she should just ignore stephanie and it's like i can't ignore a bitch that's popping up (laughs) it's like there's it's one thing to just you know ignore it if y'all you know occasionally you know send a text to each other like okay yeah, what does whatever, like you, your friends. But this bitch is popping up. That's a whole nother thing. Like, ain't no woman that's gonna be cool with your your your, your little ex fling just popping up out of nowhere, and just being like, "Hey, what's up?" Like, nah, ain't no woman gonna do that shit. Most women, shit. A lot of women I know will be they'll be throwing hands in that motherfucking yard. <laughs> Pop up on what? <laughs> so, according to Nels Rasmussen, Sherry's father, uh, Stephanie later visited Sherry uh, at her her office and to tell her that things were not indeed over between her and John. And she told Rasmussen, who, uh, or she told Sherry, quote. If I can't have John, no one else will. End quote. Hmm. The old ominous, if I can't have him, no one will. That's that's always, that, that always leads to some shit. No one says that and then it's like, and then they lived happily ever after. <laughs> no one says that shit and then that happens. It's just like, that's, that's old. That's some forecasting for your ass right there. Um, So shortly before her death, Sherry again confided in her father her fear that Sherry was stalking her on the street because she would just be popping up on and just drive by sometimes. And it's like, yo, bitch, why are you always in my hood? This ain't even your division. (laughs) It's like, this is weird. So John and Sherry uh, eventually married a few months later after all that shit went down. Uh, in November 1985, uh, Stephanie started to believe the three were in a indeed love triangle at this point. Um, so yeah, she this that's when I think she broke. When they got married, I think that's where it just it snapped completely and just took her to that took her to that level where there was no turning back for her. She was. She was going to kill somebody like that was that was her end game at that point uh, from from the time they got married. And I'm sure she probably was like watching the marriage from like a hill with binoculars or something, some kind of weird shit. And yeah, you're going to see this obsessive love, but you're also going to see this crazy unreciprocated love type shit going on because. You know, even though John, you know, fucks her and, you know, occasionally hooked up with her, he was never in love. He was never, you know, he never truly had those those feelings for for uh, Stephanie. And he said that. But he said he was he was highly 
he was highly sexually attracted to her. So that's why he kept on, you know, hooking up with her. But Stephanie was, she was in love, like, love, love. So, man, that marriage just, that did it to her. And it was only a few months later that the shit would go down. And the reason why we are here today would uh, would happen. Uh, so... I'm going to take another hit because now we're about to get into the crime and and then we're going to get into why I say the LAPD is a bunch of pieces of shit. Uh, fucking motherfuckers. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not shitting because I got homies that are in the LAPD. So I'm not shitting on the whole LAPD, but God damn, these motherfuckers were corrupt back in the day. And this was like the peak of their corruption, like 80s, 90s. Man, they was slaying motherfuckers back in those days with corruption, man. They were they was just as bad as the criminals, honestly. If we if we keeping it 100, they was just as bad. Actually worse, because they were supposed to be upholding the law. At least criminals admit, like, this is what I do. <laughs> GMO. Yeah, so this one is GMO, guys. Oh. Ooh. That garlic mushroom onions, baby. Oh, man. If you ever get your hands on some GMO, guys, get it immediately. Hold on to it. Make love to it. It's one of the greatest. I think it's one of the greatest strains. Uh, the flavor profile is just amazing. I love the Terps. Some people don't like that, you know, kind of OG-ish, soury, cookie taste. But it's one of my favorite fucking flavor profiles as far as Terps go. So whew, get that GMO if you ever get a chance. And Wolfpack has some. Uh, they might not have any more because they were, they were kind of low when I last uh, went and hollered at them. So they might not have any, but just check the menu out. Uh, uh, the link is always in the description of the episode. So check that out, and you'll uh, you'll be able to see everything that they have in stock. They they update it pretty pretty regularly. Um, <clears throat> so now let's get into this this fucked up crime. Um, on the morning of February twenty fourth, nineteen eighty six, uh, John left the couple's condominium on Balboa Boulevard in Van Nuys. I, I know that area. I used to live not too far from that area. Uh, to go to work. So Sherry was scheduled to give a motivational speech at work that day, a managerial tactic she did not feel like was really fucking effective. So she didn't want to do that shit. So to avoid it, she told John she might call in sick using a back injury she had incurred while doing aerobics the day before as an excuse. So at 9.45 a.m., a neighbor noticed that John's garage door was still open. Uh, with no car visible. So that's weird. You know, you leave, you usually close your garage. Um, but, you know, sometimes, you know, there might be a malfunction. The person drives away, the garage stays open. So she didn't, she didn't immediately think, oh shit, some shit's gone down. And I get that. Like, that's, that's 
reasonable to not think that immediately because of that, that, you know, a crime is committed. You know, that's not the first thing that's going to pop in 95% of people's head, especially because, you know, it wasn't like a crazy area. It wasn't violent. It wasn't a lot of like robberies and crime going on. So that's not going to be the first thing that pops in someone's head. So approximately 15 minutes later, John made the first of several unanswered phone calls to the house uh, over the course of the day. So Sherry's sister also called without answer. So you're getting everyone calling, no one's getting an answer. But she could have went to work and done the motivational speech and she can't answer her phone. You know, no one can answer their phone if they're not there. <laughs> so it was one of those things like, okay, maybe she's just not there. So, okay, no one's tripping out yet. So at noon, two men who the neighbor believed were gardeners in the compound gave her and her husband a purse they found that uh, they found out that was uh, Sherry's. So a maid cleaning a nearby unit also said she heard something that sounded like two people fighting and then something falling. And at around 12.30 p.m., she she noticed it stopped. So I wish she would have called somebody because, look, if you hear some shit, like, just... If you hear something that sounds like that, look, man, cops ain't that busy. That's their job. So just call somebody. They can just do a check, a little welfare check, whatever you want to call it. Like, at the end of the day, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to come and somebody's not getting beat up. <laughs> that's that's the worst that's going to happen. I mean, it, just just call somebody if you hear some shit like that. There's just so many cases I do where, oh, I heard this. I, you know, I heard somebody just screaming violently. This, ah! And, but I just, I, I thought maybe, you know, it was the TV. <laughs> it's like, motherfucker, come on, man. Like, if you think some shit's going down, hit them up. <laughs> Literally their job. <laughs> so... When John returned home in the evening, he found his garage door open and broken glass in the driveway. So the broken glass would yield some suspicion. The neighbor didn't see the broken glass. The neighbor just saw the garage door. Uh, but the broken glass would definitely send some alarm bells into your head. So in addition, he discovered that the BMW that he had bought uh, for Sherry as an engagement gift was also missing. So he's like, okay, she's gone. Um, all right, let's 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 break some shit down. So because of uh, Sherry's morning plans, he found it strange that she would have later gone out without letting him know. Um, she she it, because she said she might play hooky and not go to work. Ooh, excuse me. Uh, he thought that you know she would at least tell him, hey. I'm heading into work. I'm not going to be home. So he found that a little strange. He also found that the house's answer machine had not been activated, despite both of them usually activating it when leaving the house unoccupied. That does not mean she could have forgot and just not activated the answer machine. But things are starting to kind of look more and more suspicious 
She's not, you know, she's not doing what she usually does. Broken glass. It's not looking good. So, unfortunately, he makes his way into the house. And inside the living room floor, John finds Sherry's dead body. Shot three times. So, there were signs of struggle. Uh, so, uh, such as a porcelain vase that had been apparently broken over her, uh, over Sherry's head prior to the shooting, a bloody handprint next to the burglar's alarm, panic button, <coughs> and a toppled credenza. Uh, it also appeared that someone at least attempted to bind Sherry at one point. So, very, very, very suspicious. Uh, death. Uh, not your typical... Okay, we'll get into it. <laughs> uh, so she had defensive wounds and a bruise on her face that appeared to have been inflicted with the muzzle of the gun. As like someone presses a gun onto your face when, you know, like they're threatening you. Give me all the money. Like shit like that. Um, so the gun had been fired through a quilted blanket, apparently to muffle the sound. So remember that. Remember that key point. The gun had been muffled with a quilted blanket to muffle the sound. Okay. So the investigating criminalist also observed a bite mark on Sharon's or, or Sherry's arm and took a swab from it. Now, that's DNA evidence. So now let's get into the initial investigation that people say could have been tainted with a little internal corruption. Because I don't know if y'all know this. Like I said, the LAPD wasn't known for integrity and honoring the badge back in these days. So... You're going to see how fucking shady this shit is. But remember that thing I said to remember about the quilted blanket muffling the sound. Like, you know, the old silencer trick that you see in the movies all the time and all that shit. <clears throat> that homemade juice, bitch. Ah, damn. Shit refreshing. Bubba. What's up, man? Don't hit your head no more, buddy. <laughs> so, LAPD uh, detectives investigating the qu uh, case quickly concluded that Sherry had been surprised and killed by a burglar. Sherry's attire, bathrobe, nightgown, and underwear suggested she was not expecting visitors. Or maybe suggesting that she was just getting out of fucking bed <laughs> Fucking idiot. Uh, so, although a maid in the neighboring unit reported hearing screaming and fighting earlier in the day, she did not recall hearing gunshots. Muffled gunshots, remember? So she didn't hear the gunshots, which, you know, it, it wasn't a, it was not a large caliber gun. It's not going to, you know, it's, it's not a very loud gun. It's not going to make a lot of noise if you. Silence that bitch. I keep remembering that. Remember that. So she thought the whole event had been a domestic dispute and did not call the police. What the fuck? That shit just doesn't make any I thought it was a domestic dispute. He might have just been beating her up a little bit. So I just didn't feel like calling the police and getting them involved. What, bitch? What? <laughs> Wait, what? You you so you thought it was a domestic dispute? And that made you not call the police? Uh, yeah, that kind of thinking is fucking dumb. Uh, real dumb. Please don't ever be that dumb, people. If you think someone's getting beaten, 
just hit them up. Or, you know, if you feel, if, you, if you're brazen enough or you got a gun, you can stop it yourself and then call the police and get them arrested. But don't just ignore that shit and just brush it off as a domestic dispute. Oh, nothing to be alarmed about. <laughs> Uh, so it appeared that the perpetrator had been in the process of taking electronic equipment when Sherry came upon them. And as a result, jewelry had left, been left behind and the vehicle was taken as a getaway because, you know, burglars don't come with cars. They they like walk to the, the crime scenes and the houses and shit like that. <laughs> uh, the abandoned BMW was recovered a week later. It yielded no new evidence. Uh, the only other thing that appeared to have been taken from the home was, guess what? The fucking couple's marriage license. <laughs> it's like, huh? Who the fuck would want to steal a marriage license? That's some weird shit. Guys, you ever seen somebody steal a marriage license? Nah. How about you? Nah. Weird. All right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a new one. So... <sighs> these cops <laughs> so lead detective Lyle the bitch boy fuck boy suck boy mayor did consider other possibilities uh, but he quickly ruled most of them out uh, he quickly ruled out uh, the grieving John uh, as a suspect which I'm glad he did because uh, John had nothing to do with that shit and Unfortunately, John did end up quit. He quit. He quit his job, and he moved away from Los Angeles uh, just to get away from this bullshit. I don't blame him. Do what you got to do, homie. But of course, he had to get cleared before he could do that shit. But as soon as he was cleared, he got the fuck out of here. Um. Uh, so, remember Nels Rasmussen, Sherry's father, and his wife. So they are heavily fucking involved in this case. And I, I fuck with her dad. Her dad was not fucking around, man. He was, he was on, he was on top of shit. So they told mayor that Sherry's harassment or uh, that Stephanie's harassment, uh, or St she uh, told mayor about Stephanie's harassment um, to Sherry and that he had made a note of all of it. So he just made a note of it. That's it. <laughs> just, just okay I'm not that <laughs> didn't pursue that <laughs> so John later told police that he and uh, Sherry never discussed Stephanie which was a fucking lie I don't know why he lied about that um, I don't know why he did not talk about her popping up uh, I don't know why he defended like he, he did a lot of things that kind of looked it looked suspicious and I don't know how they didn't look at him harder because of it I don't think he, like he was involved in any way but the shit he did sometimes is just like that's weird why the fuck you do that then why did you not tell them about Stephanie's bitch ass like this bitch was crazy just tell him <laughs> like I would gladly tell him about a crazy bitch especially if my fucking wife was dead like, I'm telling him about every crazy bitch in my life. <laughs> like, okay, we got this bitch, we got this bitch, we got this bitch, we got this bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and ladies, I'm not calling, I'm not saying women are bitches. I, if, if you go kill somebody in cold blood for some crazy shit, 
I'm going to call you a bitch or a cunt. <laughs> if you do some crazy shit, I'm going to call you a bitch or a cunt. But if you're just a woman like Sherry, I will call you a woman. I will call you a lady. I will respect you. But I don't respect no bitch that kills somebody in cold blood over a fucking man. Fuck her. Uh, so regardless, the police remain focused on the possibility of burglary, especially in light of one reported later in the same area. Uh, even though the burglaries were like completely different. <laughs> um, but somebody reported seeing two, uh, seeing one of their suspects carrying a gun, possibly a 38 caliber, <laughs> like the one that had fired the three bullets into Sherry's head. So they thought, okay, maybe, maybe this was it. It was it. Maybe it was it. Um, so Mayor's partner, Steve Hooks, also uh, a bitch. <laughs> that, uh, he found the bite mark unusual, but he didn't do much on it. Um, <laughs> he found that, you know, bites are bites during struggles are much more commonly inflicted by women, while the majority of burglaries are committed by men. Um, but because men have been bitten in robberies and, you know, people have been bitten by men, they didn't think that it was out of the ordinary. So they just were like, nah, burglary theory still stands. It was a guy probably. He just, you know, maybe he was a biter. <laughs> just ignore, ignore the, uh, <laughs> ignore the possibility. You know, ignore every every hint of the possibility that a woman, a woman did it. A woman did it. Hey, a woman. Hey, a woman was harassing my daughter. Can you look into it? Like, goddamn. <laughs> they just <laughs> not even slick about it. So <laughs> the suspected burglars to whom uh, detectives ascribed all the crimes uh, remained at large. And despite the follow-up newspaper story eight months later and a reward offered by uh sherry's father nothing really happened and you know i don't know if you guys know about these times the cocaine 80s and 90s drug wars all that shit uh in la it was like peaked it was peaking and it was one of the worst in the country so the lapd was a little preoccupied with the violence resulting from the gang wars and the crack epidemic plaguing the city. Uh, so they just didn't devote any more time to the case. They, they kind of gave up on the case after a little bit. They were like, all right, we got to put this one on the shelf for a little while. We got bigger fish to fry. There's gangs just wilding. There's crack just exploding everywhere in the streets. We got we to gotta take care of that real quick. So they basically just said, ah, whatever, fuck it. We'll deal with that shit later. Fucked up, I know. So detectives at the Van Nuys office were, uh, as the, you know, as Sherry's dad says, often unhelpful when the family called. Uh, they often got hung up on and they just put them on hold for a really long time until the, you know, they would just hang up eventually. Sometimes 30 minutes to up to an hour. They just leave them on hold. And I'm sure they just clicked hold on the phone and just put it down and just did whatever they were doing in their day until he hung up. Just fucking assholes. 
Um, a year after the murder, the frustrated family reiterated their offer to the uh, re, uh, reiterated their offer at a press conference and called for more action. Uh, Sherry's dad, uh, not giving up, wrote Dale Gates, then the chief of the LAPD, about the possibility that Lazarus, oh Stephanie Laz, um, or Officer Lazarus, excuse me, is what he put, might have been involved. Um, and this is what the detectives told him in response to him suggesting, hey, can you look at Stephanie? Just just ask her some questions. See where she was at. Just eliminate her. How's that sound? Eliminate the possibility of her being a suspect. And the detectives told him, quote, you watched too much television, end quote. It's like, bro, I'm not watching television. My daughter was getting fucking harassed by this bitch. She was scared. Like, I'm telling you, look into this bitch because she was harassing my daughter. This motherfucker talking about you watch too much television? <laughs> it's like, kind of bullshit. Like, first of all, you don't say that to somebody that's fucking trying to get help finding their daughter's killer. Like, bro, fuck you, nigga. I'll knock your ass <laughs> Watch too much television. Nah, I watch boxing, nigga. Mm. <laughs> Fuck you talking about. Um, so this was just another thing that people pointed out as the LAPD, uh, you know, sweeping things under the rug for one of their own. Uh, so I mean, it's it's just blatant. It's just obvious. Like it's 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 so obvious what they're doing. That it's it, it's it's maddening that uh, none of them got in trouble. No one got in trouble for this shit. No one got sued. No one. No money rewarded. Nothing. Fucking bullshit, man. <laughs> uh, so it it, 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 get, it keeps getting worse too. Um, so he continued to publicize the uh, reward and later worked with a short-lived television series, Murder One, on a segment inspired by the case. So her father, in particular, was unconvinced that Sherry, who had been six feet tall, she was a she was a very tall, large frame young woman, and she was in good physical shape. She worked out. She wasn't no slouch. She had just been a victim of a botched uh, burglary. Uh, it would have been, you know, it would have been a struggle for anyone to subdue her in in those close quarters. And Mayor had told him at one point that the events may have lasted up to an hour or an hour and a half. So that's a fucking long time for burglars uh, to, you know, do shit in a house. You know, burglars are in and out. It's like you try to be in and out three to five minutes because police response time, six to 11 minutes in most cities. Uh, don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> that's average. Uh, and that's like day dependent too. Um, and time of the hour dependent. A lot of things it's dependent on, but that's like the, the average for most cities. Uh, <laughs> but so burglars try to get out of there before that time frame. Um, so further, furthermore, whoever shot his daughter, had fired directly into her chest at close range and taken the trouble to muffle the shot with a quilt, suggesting that the killing was deliberate and not accidental as a byproduct of a struggle. Because no one's going to be fucking struggling 
and in the middle of fighting, motherfucking, get, get out this blanket real quick, and shoot you. No one's going to do that. No one's, no one fights like that. If you do, you're probably going to lose. <laughs> going for a fucking blanket in the middle of a struggle for your life. <laughs> you, you, you're going to catch an L. You, you're going to lose your life. <laughs> so, Mayor eventually retired because uh, he's a bitch <laughs> and the new detective assigned to the case told uh told sherry's father that he was unable to follow up on mayor's notes and did not think any new leads would emerge in other words he told her told her dad i'm not gonna pursue anything it's basically what he told him uh but in a nicer way like a bitch um so her father like i said does not give up he keeps on he man I, I love this dude he just never gave up he kept fighting for his daughter man that's how you got to do it can't give up uh so her father rebuffed uh again in 1993 uh when he offered to pay for the dna testing on the evidence for the from the murder uh now that you know technology was finally available but he was told that the police had to have a suspect in order to proceed with the testing. And he told him, or he told them, hey, I fucking told you to talk to Stephanie, motherfucker. Go talk to Stephanie, nigga. <laughs> um, so it's just like, man, why don't you just, just go talk to Stephanie and just be like, hey, Stephanie, can we eliminate you real quick? We got DNA from the, the this scene. This guy's just fucking on our ass about, you know, you're involved. Can we just eliminate you and shut this fucking guy up? But they didn't do that because they were like, oh, shit, Stephanie probably involved. <laughs> so we got to cover this shit up. And they kept her out of the fucking the limelight completely. Um. So, oh, side note. Also, before I get into this next part, uh, La uh, Stephanie also reunited with John just briefly. It was nothing. Like, it wasn't like a re like reuniting, reuniting. Uh, she just like reached out to him and talked to him in 1989. Um. Uh. Oh, hold on, guys. I got a phone call coming. Sorry about that, guys. Um. Had to, I had to take that call. That was a. It was an important call. So. Uh, I had to step away for a second. And uh, take that real quick. But uh, anyways, so as I was saying, they reunited in 1989. And uh, so Mayer's notes show that John had called him a little bit after that and asked him if he was absolutely sure there was no evidence linking Stephanie with his late wife's death. So, I mean, you got all these motherfuckers asking about Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> and like, hey man, what's up with uh, Stephanie? You look at her. <laughs> oh man, these LAPD guys are so dirty. So dirty. Not even slick dirty, just dirty. <laughs> so, in the meantime, Stephanie continued working with the LAPD. She was growing with them. Uh, she also went on to start her own private investigation firm unique investigations shit name by the way i think is a terrible name <laughs> um in 1987 she would earn gold medals and silver medals including uh, uh one gold in one of the major games 
at the World Police and Fire Games in San Diego, which is kind of like a an uh, like a local Olympics between uh, fi- uh, fire and police departments in California. Ooh, excuse me, and it's one of the more you know uh, exciting games between you know fire and, and police because California is so large and LAPD and sheriffs and everything can take up a huge chunk of that. So it turns out to be a, a pretty big event. Well, it used to be at least. It's not as big anymore, but it used to be a, a big deal. Ooh. God damn it, juice is so fucking good. <laughs> uh, in 1993, after stints at the department's drug abuse and resistance education and internal uh, internal and internal affairs division, she then became a detective. Three years later, she married fellow officer and uh, she married a fellow officer and adopted her daughter with him. She had no kids of her own, and moving back into uh, Simi Valley, which is a suburb, uh, a couple of miles—not a couple of miles, but like 20, 30 miles north of uh, Los Angeles. So, at work, she became uh, an instructor at the police academy. She would uh, she would continue to excel, continue to get. Uh, commendations and her bosses fucking loved her at the LAPD. Uh, John eventually remarried as well. He did not pressure the police as his former father-in-law had to, you know, investigate the crime that killed his damn wife. I mean, I don't know why he was not pressing, but you know, that's one of those things that just was like, I don't know, man, this dude just, he weird. So in the late 1990s, after DNA testing had become more prominent, the LAPD formed a new unit that looked through the forensic evidence collected from the department's cold cases to determine whether it had any you know, potential for any new leads through DNA testing. Among the evidence seen as likely to be uh, used and collected, or collected and used, was the Rasmussen case. So they, they thought that, all right, let's take a peek into this some more. And I think somebody got a phone call. <laughs> um, so, however, it was not until 2004 <laughs> that another criminalist fucking actually looked into it. So it was like five or six years until it was actually looked into. So I think somebody got that phone call and was like, hey, don't fucking worry about that goddamn DNA right now. Deal with something else. <laughs> but eventually they had to be like, all right, we got to address this shit. And it took five or six years to do that shit. <laughs> So, this new criminalist, Jennifer Francis, great girl, good at her damn job, uh, was able to analyze it. Some of the evidence from the Rasmussen case, including that which might have uh, contained the suspect's DNA, was missing, having been collected in 1993 by another detective. Mm, Shady shit. Um, Francis did not find any matches in the combined DNA index system, CODIS. I've told you guys about CODIS um, <laughs> uh, database, uh, which basically just has every criminal's fucking DNA in it that was collected after. I forgot when they started doing um, collecting CODIS data, but uh, if you got arrested after that time for a felony, your shit's in that fucking database. Uh, my shit's in that database. <laughs> I'm a, I, I was not a good kid, <laughs> but. 
they did not find any, uh, find that the saliva in it, uh, oh, excuse me, but she did find that the saliva in it had come from a female, undermining the initial detective's burglary theory of males perpetrating the burglary. So it was like, all right, once again, for the, ah, what is it, fifth fucking time, <laughs> a fucking uh, a woman is brought up as, you know, okay, possible suspect, woman, look into it. Who's the woman that everyone has said their fucking name a million times? Huh. Maybe we should look into that female. <laughs> huh. Burglary. Yeah, maybe a cop could stage a burglary. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? Ah. Fuck it. Never mind. <laughs> so, several years later, uh, Francis claimed that unusually... She had access to not just the sample, but the entire case file, which had been given to her, you know, to help her decide whether, uh, which other samples to analyze. It was kind of suspicious, if I may say, that it just popped up. <laughs> uh, upon discovering that the biter and likely perpetrator was female, she reviewed it and came across a report of a third party female who had allegedly harassed the victim at her job and residence before the murder. So, she was like, all right, that's, yeah, we got to look into that. Like I said, Frances was, she was good at her job, and she 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 did the right thing. I think, I'm not mad at Frances at all. So, she asked the detective supervising her if this woman had been investigated, to which he supposedly responded, quote, Oh, you mean the LAPD uh, detective? So he knows about this fucking, this woman is what he basically is saying. It's like, oh, you mean fucking, yeah, Stephanie fucking Lazarus. Yeah, she works for us. So he knows about her. It's it, it's like not something, it, it's not something that you're going to just automatically say, oh, the LAPD detective, unless she's the fucking woman that's been talked about. That's not going to be your first answer usually. Um so, I mean, it's just so blatant. <laughs> uh, he then elaborated that the woman, a former girlfriend of the victim's husband, was in fact a current LAPD detective, but, quote, she's not part of this. <laughs> quote, They're doing everything to steer motherfuckers away from Stephanie. <laughs> Any, anytime her name is brought up, hmm. <laughs> uh, no, Stephanie. Mm, no, mm -mm. no, no, no. Look at somebody else. Um, so he insisted that the case was simply still just a burglary, as the department had long concluded. But I guess it was just a female was a part of the burglary to him. Fucking dumbass. Just corrupt fucking assholes. So no other detectives would pursue the case. Uh, for fucking years and the evidence went back into the file. Uh, so another suspicious, wait a minute moment. Uh, you mean like these guys aren't even going to try not even like you don't even have to interrogate Stephanie. Just get somebody to just be like, Hey Steph, look, uh, your name came up in something. We just wanted to ask you, uh, just a few couple questions, just something like that would have just 
automatically just made me say, okay, they ain't that corrupt, but I still would have said they're corrupt probably. <laughs> but I mean, at least, at least that would have been slick. These niggas won't even slick about it. <laughs> like they didn't even like try to be slick about it. I'm like, damn, bro. Like you couldn't like have finesse or any tact with your corruption. Like it's just too obvious. Like, <laughs> oh man, they got they've gotten a lot better with their corruption now. Technology, everything's got they've gotten better. <laughs> so then, years later, something big happens. So by 2009. Crime in Los Angeles had finally declined to a significant level, enough to, uh, enough from uh, its earlier levels that detectives finally had a chance to start looking at cold cases. They mainly did it to increase their clearance rates, if you know, if we're being honest, <laughs> uh, not to give the family some answers or to get killers off the streets. Uh, so I mean, I'm not like exclaiming credit to these guys or like gonna like woohoo good job guys I'm not gonna do any of that but good job for closing this case um <laughs> uh, in Van Eyes Jim Nuttall and Pete Barba I'm gonna go ahead and just call these guys Nut and Barb oh Nut and Barb <laughs> uh reviewed the Rasmussen file and found it interesting enough to be worth pursuing uh, because they are you know, because of the DNA test pointing to a female suspect and the fact that these guys are not incompetent corrupt assholes they decided that the burglary theory was invalid and they should have start uh, should have to start from the very beginning just start from scratch throw out the burglary uh, idea and let's let's start this from our point of view and see what we see so old nut and barb looked at the case as a murder that's what they started as their platform all right let's look at it as a murder and see if evidence supports our theory so with the burglary uh or excuse me so what they thought was the burglary was staged to throw the police off the trail so many so they had to go into and start figuring out if that's if, if the evidence supports said theory and you will see it's it's quite damning. So many aspects of the crime were improbable for a break-in, especially one committed in daylight. So Sherry's jewelry box, an inviting target for most burglars. Um, that's usually one of the first things they look at. It's like, oh, jewelry. Cool. Easy. Small. Get it in. Get it out. So it was in plain sight on top of the fucking dresser not hidden and it was like very obvious it was a jewelry box <laughs> and it had not been even touched so a little suspicious but not all the way damning because if they were indeed rushed or they 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 got caught up doing something else before they saw that jewelry box or they saw the jewelry box and this the heat of the moment caught them so they had to just fucking start doing some some work and they just left it that, that like all those things could be a possibility, but they will keep investigating. They just they I, I love the way these guys break this fucking case down. These these detectives deserve all the credit, uh, even though they didn't do the the interrogation that we will listen to a little bit of. 
I think they deserve all the credit for this case. So the condo was in the middle of a gated complex surrounded by other units from which burglars could have been, you know, easily fucking seen. So not a good idea to go burglarizing this motherfucker in the daytime, basically. Uh, so the front door had an alarm warning and had not been forced open as it might have been if, you know, a, you know burglars come to the door uh, unless they were just really good at Jimmy and locks. But still, that alarm warning would, if you jimmy the lock, the alarm's going to go off still. So, I mean, all right, not completely damning, once again, but something that's very interesting to look at. So, here's where they start finding things that are going to be even more damning. So, inside... A key aspect of the crime scene was also inconsistent with a burglar theory. At the top of the stairs was a stack of stereo equipment atop of VCR. So, if, as the evidence suggested, the struggle between Sherry and her attacker had begun upstairs and then continued downstairs, that said stack that was at the top of the stairs would have been knocked down unless that stack was put there after Sherry was knocked down the stairs and killed. And it goes to say, like, why the fuck would you stack something after you shot her? You would probably just want to immediately dip out of there if you shot somebody. This is looking super suspicious. So, as I said, these guys were the shit. Very competent. So now they've found something that was really damning. So now they're like, okay, we got some shit. Let's really start digging into this fucking case now that we've got something that can really just disprove that initial burglary theory. Um, so let's break down these motherfucking details these dudes figured out. Motherfucking nothing, Barb. <laughs> motherfucking duo. I wonder if they're still working for him. Oh, mm -mm, they're good. They're good. They remind me of Bosch and his fucking partner. Man, if you ain't watched Bosch, go peep that shit. Amazon. Bomb ass show. I it's one of my favorite shows. Um, so <clears throat> ooh, ooh. <clears throat> got a little, a little little something in my throat. Sip some water. Ooh. Okay, ah, much better. So, uh, as I was saying, these guys are going to break shit down the proper way. And it's honestly what most rookie detectives probably could have fucking figured out. These guys were just lazy pieces of shit or just corrupt pieces of shit. Leaning towards the latter. Um, <laughs> uh, for uh, the forensics, uh, uh, excuse me, the forensics reinforced their theories. So, on a record player on top of the stack of, uh, you know, those, that shit was a thumb stained uh, blood stain, a thumb shaped blood stain. It had no print, suggesting whoever left it was indeed wearing gloves to avoid, you know, leaving fingerprints. Probably smart. But that blood was Sherry's. So what that basically suggested 
was the equipment had been stacked after the struggle. It confirmed it completely that that was after the struggle. It couldn't have been before the struggle and shooting. So it had been left behind and detectives realized to make the crime scene look like something other than what it really was, that had to be done. So they had to like put some things in place to make it look like a burglary. And honestly, it was just a, a shitty job of making it look like a burglary. They could have done so much better. She could have done so much better. But luckily she fucked up and she she uh, she wasn't a detective at the time of this crime. She didn't know the ins and outs. Thank God she didn't. She was not a seasoned vet by at that time because she might have been able to get away with this shit. So uh, from the four bound volumes of the case file, they developed a list of five female suspects. So old nut was taken aback when Johnny Boy told him over the phone that Stephanie was indeed a police officer with them. He was like, shit, what? God damn it. All right. Let's look at these other four women before we fucking look at this girl. <laughs> uh, so by then, Stephanie had also been uh, promoted to a higher level of detective and was working art theft cases as a part of the commercial crimes division. As one of the two detectives in the nation's only full-time unit devoted to this speciality, uh, she kind of gained a little local media attention and she kind of got a little fame. And her and her partner actually recovered a statue stolen from a huge heist out there. So she she kind of got her name in, you know, some people's, uh, you know, some people's attention. But not like any of these like detective homicide detectives are going to be, you know, none of these, none of that. But she was good at her job. So she she got, you know, some attention. Um, to better understand the field, she told a newspaper she had begun learning to paint off the job. You're about to see how Stephanie kind of she she was um, she was able to hide her crazy, <laughs> I think, very well. Or just, you know, she realized, OK, I've eliminated the threat. So but okay <laughs> so off the job stephanie had been active in the los angeles women's police officers association and organized child care for families of officers she also made chocolate covered cherries and homemade soap for her neighbors in Simi valley for christmas so, <laughs> yeah so since stephanie was still in the department and she was, you know, this great person. Community loved her. She had some fame. She was getting all these fucking commendations from the department. Fucking the bigwigs liked her. Nut and Barb realized that they would have to proceed extremely cautious if they were going to actually look into Stephanie that hard. But, like I said, they ranked her the least promising. So they put her at the bottom of the list, put those other four women up. And we're like, all right, let's look at these. We have to eliminate these before we actually look into this because that was the last suspect they wanted to have to investigate because that was going to be the hardest suspect. So save the save the hardest for last. Uh, if we do make it to that, we could eliminate or we could find our suspect in these four women. So since they read the read in the files that she and John had ended their relationship they had over the summer before the murder, they they kind of also thought okay maybe she isn't the one because they're 
their relationship was done. And, you know, she, they thought maybe, okay, she moved on. Mm, they'll find out different. <laughs> um, so old Nut and Barb's investigation soon eliminated all but one of the other women besides Stephanie. The other woman, a former co-worker of uh, Sherry's, who had been in some disputes with her, was eventually eliminated very easily because, as you remember, we had that DNA sample. And that girl was like, oh, I have shit to do with it. Here, swab me. Do what you need to do. You need me to fucking, what do you need? You need to spit in a cup? I got you. Collect my shit. Eliminate me, motherfucker. And they eliminated her very quick and easy. So that leaves just one person. <laughs> uh, so with Stephanie left, they just were like, all right, that's that's the suspect. Shit. <laughs> Fuck. They don't want to do this. Cause okay, so there's a stigma. One. Cops do not like when cops accuse, investigate, even just fucking have a gut feeling that a cop's involved. And they do not want you to fucking even talk about that shit. So these guys knew they had to keep their investigation closely fucking close to the ch the vest, if, uh, as they say, uh, and not let it spread out. Because one, they don't know who she knows. They don't know who her friends are. If they, they get that shit gets out, she can get a fucking tip off. She can get tipped off and then boom, she's fucking running. Uh, and they couldn't take that chance. Uh, they also just didn't want to be those guys in the department that, yo, you investigating cops? You like the IA, bro? Yo, you a bitch. That's literally how they think of you. You're a traitor. Once you do that, you're not looked at as, you know, the same cop that people used to think of you as. Trust me, it happens all the time. I mean, you can you, just Google cop gets fucking, fucking uh, berated or or a cop gets fucking uh, career ended for turning in other cops. Like it's just, it's not, it's not a good look if you're a cop, unfortunately. And that's kind of what feeds into the whole uh, staying silent thing um, that cops tend to do and protect other cops. But <clears throat> at the end of the day, you gotta, you're a cop. You gotta fucking, you gotta go after that, the criminal element. And these guys, uh, Nut and Barb, they were like, all right, we got to do our fucking job. Let's get it. So they also forgot. They also had to keep it a close guard secret because uh, Stephanie's husband was also working in that same division with Stephanie as a detective. So he may have other friends who could have tipped her off in the department as well. So, I mean, it was just like they literally couldn't share this information with anybody. It was literally just those two guys. They had the information and, um, they had to hope and pray that, uh, you know, nobody finds out what they were doing because even if it, they weren't their friends, they probably would have told her. <laughs> I mean, even if they didn't know her, if they would have found out, you know, Oh, you're investigating the cop. Her name's what? Stephanie Lazarus. Okay. Let's go tell her. Cause it's just, protect the blue man that's just that's just the uh the mindset you know um so uh as i was saying they had to protect that 
they couldn't let her get tipped off because uh, if she was the killer, she could have improved her de uh, defense even more if she had more time. You know, she could have come up with an alibi. She could have come up with, you know, okay, this is where I was on this day, this day, this day, boom. So you could have been able to, you know, come up with details and not be caught off guard or surprised, which is a key to getting someone broken down in interrogation. You got to be able to, that element of, yeah, got your ass is really necessary. Um, so uh, they also wanted to keep it also a guarded secret. I forgot this as well, because if she were not the killer, then they could have an unintentionally smeared a fellow officer who had an unblemished record up until that time. And, you know, no complaints, no investigations. So they would smear that if they were like, yo, this, you know, this woman might be involved. Cops would be, but even though they defend her, they'd look at you different. Um, and it, it kind of hurts your, your chances of promoting or going, you know, rising in the ranks. So, what they basically did, they never used her name. They only referred to her as number five. Uh, they worked on the case after hours or behind closed doors, and they developed cover stories to explain why they wanted to look at personal records for any or one or excuse me, for any one particular officer from 20 years ago. So the detectives began looking into other aspects of Stephanie's life during the 1980s just to see, OK, what? she was about because uh you kind of got to do that to build uh it's able to build like motive you can see like their actions after the murder all those things uh are needed before and after the murder excuse me and uh they just have to be able to break all those things down to get a full picture and also to see you know kind of get into her head a little bit so another detective recalled that uh, at one time, ooh, excuse me, ooh, these burpees are getting me. Uh, most LAPD officers had preferred a 38 caliber as their backup or off-duty carry gun. Uh, in fact, they were required only to purchase weapons compatible with the Federal Plus P ammunition that had been used in the murder. Hmm. Uh-oh. <laughs> so state and departmental records showed that Stephanie had indeed owned a Smith & Wesson Model 49 38 caliber at the time. But she reported it stolen to Santa Monica police soon after that murder. Hmm, that's strange. But she didn't report it to her own department's armory. Even more strange. So, since the location where Stephanie had reported it stolen was uh, stolen from was near a popular pier, they assumed that she had thrown the gun into the Pacific Ocean. Without the weapon, DNA would be the only definite way to connect her to the crime. So, Old Nut and Barb theorized from their own experience about how an LAPD officer would commit a murder. So, basically, they just put themselves in her shoes. Okay, how would I commit the murder if I wanted to kill this person? And it's it's a it sounds fucked up, but it's a great technique because at the end of the day, you kind of got to get into the mind of the killer in order to understand them 
or to just see what they did or see the mistakes they made, things like that. So it would be better to do this, uh, do it on a day off. And uh, departmental records showed that Stephanie had indeed been off that day. Uh, an officer would know better than to use his or own duty gun since it ha would have to be disposed of after the crime. And the penalties for losing your gun, your duty gun, your sidearm, you're fucked. You're fucked. You're done. You're not going to, you definitely ain't going to rise up in the ranks. You're fucking going to be a patrol officer your whole life or you will be working the fucking evidence locker or something. <laughs> you ain't going to, you ain't going to get no good job. I'll tell you that much. If you lose your goddamn gun or if it gets stolen or you give it up, nah, mm -mm, you ain't, mm -mm, you fucked. <laughs> so instead it made sense to just use your backup gun like Lazarus or like Stephanie, uh, 38 that she had that was coincidentally stolen two weeks after the murder. Uh, so lastly, a working patrol officer would know how to just enough, uh, know just how to, you know, make a crime scene seem like an interrupted burglary to, you know, satisfy the thought process of a, let's say a overworked detective working multiple gang and drug type of murders. Yeah, I mean, she could probably figure that out, which she did. But, I mean, honestly, like, the shit that they found out, nothing Barb found, it was like, y'all telling me y'all couldn't figure that out back in the day? Fuck out of here. <laughs> so, uh, you remember um, Sherry's father, Nels? He's back. So, Nels told Nut about Stephanie. Uh, about Stephanie's continued contact with her daughter and how she had harassed her. And um, he he was just kind of shocked that he didn't hear about that earlier. And it was, you know, it had not been in the files. Despite, I don't know if you remember me saying this, Nels fucking mentioned that shit a million times. <laughs> so he was like, what the fuck? That's weird. And honestly, like, Nut should have been like, Y'all motherfuckers corrupt. But not all, like not he knew that he couldn't do that. Or else he'd be off the case, he'd be fired, he wouldn't have a job if he said some shit like that. So <clears throat> realizing that Stephanie was now their prime suspect, uh, the only one that's viable, the detectives informed their superiors and arranged to discreetly collect a voluntarily discarded DNA sample from her, knowing they could do so without having to get a warrant which you would, you know, you would have to let, uh, what's her name? Stephanie know if she was under investigation. So, and they do this all the time. They'll follow a suspect that they think is, you know, somebody. And once you discard your trash in a trash can, that's public. They can fucking go grab that shit and collect your DNA. That's, that's a quick, easy way for them to collect your DNA. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's used quite often. So while off duty running errands, <clears throat> Stephanie discarded a cup from which she had been drinking, which other police then retrieved. A sample was taken from it and ding, 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 ding. It matched the DNA from the motherfucking bite mark. We got you, bitch. She is officially fucked. And now detectives 
have to figure out a way to basically bring her in to interrogate her and to uh, fuck her whole world up. And you know what? Um, I would definitely pe- play you the the not the whole interrogation. The whole interrogation is like an hour and a half. I'll play you the tidbits that I found interesting um, and that I found as, um, you know, noteworthy uh, things to point out in the interrogation. Uh, Also, I just want to play the interrogation because I always find it super, 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 super interesting uh, to see detectives interrogating another detective because they can't use the usual, um, you know, the usual trickery that they can use on the, you know, the, the basic layman that doesn't know all those tricks. So they, they have to get creative in order to, you know, do it the right way. Um, so it's always, it's always just a, a great showing to see how these, these guys play with another detective in, in an interrogation room, but you will see like they don't fuck around and they put the best on this shit. So Rob Bubb, <clears throat> the homicide detective supervisor uh, at the Van Nuys office, began letting his senior officers all the way up to the chief, William Branton, know that the case, along with senior prosecutors from the uh, Los Angeles <laughs> County District Attorney's office, that they were going to pursue this case. So they decided it was going to be transferred to the Robbery Homicide Division, RHD which is uh, basically the most prestigious division in the LAPD. If you make it to this division, you've made it to the top. Um, and they investigate all kinds of things, including art theft. Um, they, they help out with those cases, especially the, the really, really high profile cases. They're the ones that usually are the ones that handle those. Ones. Uh, it's also the division that Bosch is about, so... Yeah, check that shit out, man. I don't know why y'all wasting time. <laughs> um, so her her uh <laughs> her arrest was planned very carefully because she is a cop. You gotta plan this shit the right way. So on the day of her arrest in June 2009, dozens of officers arose before dawn. After being briefed on the search warrant, they were told. <clears throat> It would be executed outside the city, but with few details beyond that, the, they didn't want to, you know, have a leak. Uh, they went to wait at, near uh, Stephanie's home in Simi Valley, and that city's Metrolink, which is what she used to commute to work. Uh, yeah, you don't want to fucking drive from Simi Valley to L.A. Ooh, Jesus Christ, you would die. Um, so a short time later. Detectives from the RHD who had been selected for their lack of personal connection to Stephanie called her from the lockup at the Parker Center, which is the department's headquarters. So Branton had ordered that that location be used since Stephanie would have to surrender her gun in order to just enter the building, limiting the possibility she might resist violently when she's arrested uh, which is what they were planning to do immediately after the interview. They just basically were doing the interview to see if they can get her to admit or maybe get a better explanation of the crime. Uh, or they just realized that she um, she was uh, the prime suspect. So they just had to eliminate that possibility. So the detectives 
uh, Greg Stearns and Dan Yaramillo. Um, I'm thinking it's Yaramillo or Yaramillo. Sorry if I slayed your name, bro. <laughs> uh, told her they had someone in custody, uh, custody, <laughs> someone in custody who wanted to talk about an art theft. Perfect cover because they do indeed investigate art thefts in, uh, as well. So it doesn't look suspicious to Stephanie that they're calling her in uh, to talk about this because she is in that field and she might have information or know people that can help them out. So not a suspicious thing for Stephanie to be called in for that. So after uh, she had her uh, gun checked in and entered the interrogation room, they explained that this was really about some loose ends they were trying to tie up in the, uh, the old Rasmussen case. And since her name came up in the investigation, they just wanted to, you know, talk to her and eliminate her. Uh, they claimed they wanted a private setting because while John was an old boyfriend, you know, Stephanie had long been married to someone else and they didn't want her private life to become, you know, the subject of office gossip. Great excuses, by the way. I mean, these guys made some great excuses. I'll tell you what, ladies, if you're married to a detective, you're probably <laughs> going to get lied to very smooth-like. <laughs> so, uh, Stearns and Jara, Jaramillo, um, Jaramillo, whatever, um, knew they would have to tread carefully since, you know, Stephanie herself was very well aware of police interview techniques and her rights to silence and legal counsel, which she can invoke at any fucking time. So they were like, let's not push her too hard. Let's kind of dance around some shit. Let's play with her, put on them strings and just kind of whoop, make a dance. So now I want to play some of that interrogation I was talking about <clears throat> because she wasn't prepared to talk about something she thought she had got away with. So this shit caught her like, oh, fuck. Um, mm, uh, mm, uh. You'll hear how she rambles. She stutters. She's repetitive. She talks. She says shit that has nothing to do with what the fuck they're talking about, which is are all telltale signs of lying, uh, you know, being scared. And, you know, a detective shouldn't be like a normal person has those type of things happening to them a lot of times just from being in that room. I know me as a black man in that room being accused of something. I'd be fucking scared as hell. And I'd just be like, lawyer. <laughs> I ain't talking shit. I ain't saying shit to none of y'all lawyer. <laughs> um, but yeah, she she did not get a lawyer. And that, I think, fucked her up big time. I mean, it wasn't at the end of the day, it wasn't what they needed to take her down. But this interrogation did not help her case in any fucking way at all. And you guys will hear what I mean. Right now. Here we go. Stephanie, I don't know if you know my partner. Hey, Greg. Hi, Stuart. Nice to meet you guys. How's it going? Good. No interrupt. Uh, well, have a seat. This is a. I don't want to bring this up in your squadron. Oh, no, it's fine. I think we're good. Okay. We're bring, you're going to bring somebody in, right? Yeah, well, I'll like, oh, explain okay. the whole thing. I don't want to talk about this in the squadron because okay. I, I don't know who people are listening. And if we go to my side, everybody's yeah. always wondering what everybody okay, else is sure, doing. No okay. But uh, like we're talking about being busy and stuff. We've been assigned a case that we've been looking at. Okay. okay. It's a new case. And as we're doing the case, 
there's some notes uh, to see that as far as your name being mentioned. Oh, okay. Do you know John Rutten? John Rutten? Rutten. Rutten. Oh, yeah, I went to school with him. You did? Yeah. How long did you know him? Gosh, well, I went to school in, um, let's see, went to UCLA in 1978. I started and, um, you know, met him at school at the dorms. Mm -hmm. Um. Were you guys friends, close friends? Yeah, we're very close friends. I yeah. Mean, I mean, what's this all about? Well, it's regarding, it's a case we're working on, and it involves John, and in there, some of the statements we, we reviewed, uh, you know, there's notes and stuff that, that he knew you and stuff. Oh, yeah, I mean, we good friends, um, lived in the dorms for, I lived in the dorms for two years. Um, you guys lived in the same dorm? Yeah. Or, oh, okay. Yeah, Dijkstra. Okay. Were you guys just friends or anything else, or? Yeah, we were real good friends yeah was there ever any relationship or anything to develop between you guys yeah i mean we dated uh, uh -huh. you know um i mean is what's this all about well it's relating to uh his wife okay okay did you know her not really i mean i knew that he got married years ago uh-huh did you ever meet her god i don't know um do you know who she was or anything well i Thanks. God, it's been a long time ago. Um, so, I find this, I find it very funny that she's, she's, she, so they're trying to bait, bait her, basically. You'll see that they, they do it throughout the, uh, the investigation, or through the interrogation. They'll try to bait her. They'll ask her questions that they, they're completely rhetorical, and they just want to, like, feel out her answers. They don't necessarily like have wrong right or wrong answers they just want to see what her answer is going to be and then they play off of that um i, I may have met her um geez you know yeah uh well let me see let me ask you you said you, you dated john how long did you guys date i mean are you guys is this something I mean, you said hey, well, I was going to interview somebody about art. Can you well, guys are here's, here's, I mean, Stephanie, here's the situation. It's basically, we, you know, we knew that this when we saw this in the in in this chrono that maybe you know there was some relationship there. That's what the chrono seemed to indicate, and we didn't want to come up to you at your desk and ask those kinds of questions or do anything. You know how up there people can see what's going on if you go into an interview room or people are in there getting oh, supplies. Okay. I mean, so we we wanted to afford you some privacy, some confidentiality okay. to talk about this because we thought it might be, you know, something, you know, you're married to someone else, obviously, and so forth, and that you may not want to, you know, talk about these things in that setting where someone, you know, we don't want the rumor mill or gossip or any of that kind of stuff yeah, to start. Great fucking excuse. God damn, these guys were really good. Like I said, the, the RHD is the best in, the, in LAPD, and you, you will see it throughout this interrogation. Just so, so... They're so calm, collected, and just concise with everything they're doing. It's just, it's like a knife cutting through butter, baby. Just, just watch them work, folks. Watch them work. <laughs> I mean, so we're, we're, we did this just as, as a means to try and speak to you in okay, just a confidential I mean, just... place where you, you know, where, where your business isn't out there for other people in, in well, you know, I mean, your division yeah, to know about. I mean, you know, God, that's been a million years ago. I mean, you know, um, what year is it now? 2009. I mean, I graduated in 82, 82. Yeah. Um, 
you know, we dated. Um, I dated other guys. I'm sure he dated other girls. Um, well, let me ask you, <laughs> roughly, how long would you, <clears throat> would you say you guys dated? Oh, jeez. Um, I couldn't even say. I mean, I started school there in 78. I started UCLA in 1978. I graduated in 82. Um, I don't even remember what year he graduated, if it was a year or two before me. Okay. Um, I think he was a little bit older than I was. I mean, you know, I can't remember if he was born, let's say I was born in 60, 1960. I don't know if he was born in 58 or 59. I mean, I, you know, um, I mean, I knew his parents. I knew his sister. His brother went to Northridge. Um, um, you know, his sister spent the night at my house before. Obviously, I spent the night at his house before. He probably spent the night at my house before. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I don't. Uh, well, correct me if I'm wrong, because from what you're telling me, you guys dated while you were in college together, right? Yeah, and probably after college. Um, I'm, I, I can't, jeez, I'm trying to think when I met my husband. I met my husband in, I mean, Scott, um, let's see, I was teaching Dare, because I met Scott when I was teaching Dare up in Oregon, but we had long stopped, you know, dating before that. So you haven't um, talked to him for a long time? Oh, I, I think I haven't talked to him in a long time. Um, I couldn't even tell you when the last time I talked to him. Um, I met Scott, I'm thinking in 92, maybe, um, April of 92. It was Scott being your husband. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I was teaching Dare. Let's see, what year is this? this is, we'll be married. I got married in 1996. I think I met Scott in 92. Prior to that, I couldn't tell you how long I talked you know talked to john prior to that but since um, you since you met your husband scott you haven't talked to him i mean he may have called me uh once or twice uh -huh. before we got married right um you know geez i i lived i moved to see me in 1994 because i lost my house in the earthquake oh really? um uh quite honestly i probably keep in contact with a few people from the dorms. We we all we all lived on the tenth floor, um, and um, there's about three or four people I keep in contact with. There's probably like six or eight of us that were all really close. Mm -hmm. And who are those um, people? Oh, geez, um, Diana Basta. Um, the people I still keep. I I haven't been in contact with her in a long time. Um, I mean, what, what, what's what's I mean, what's this all about? I mean, well, let me ask you. So <laughs> she says she she only keeps in contact with some people, but yet she can't give them any names. Um, and then at, right after that, she starts to get nervous. If you didn't notice, she's like, "What is this about?" <laughs> and you guys can't see it right now. I'm gonna. I'll put a link to this uh, to this interrogation because this is where I get uh, most of my interrogation clips will come from uh, Blue Dot Interrogations. He posts amazing interrogations on YouTube. If you guys like to study him and, and listen to him like I do, um, check that page out. It is the best page for uh, for any interviews uh, or for any interrogations. Uh, you'll get all the the full interrogations you won't get any of that partial stuff he posts full interrogations um 
but you guys can't see it but her mannerisms and her body language and just everything about her is just nervous as fuck twitchy just constantly just living around and uh <laughs> it's just funny to watch her squirm honestly <laughs> what ended the relationship between you and john you know i don't it was kind of a weird relationship i mean we 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 dated um i can't say that he was my boyfriend i don't know that he would consider me his girlfriend um we just we dated we did things. I played sports in college. He played basketball. His brother played basketball. Bitch, you didn't date nobody. What you talking about? <laughs> she old lying ass heifer. <laughs> she lies good, but not that good. Um, it, it, We just, you know, it just didn't work out. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It was like, I went out with other guys, um, saw other guys, I went on lots of vacations, um, you know. And, and once you guys split, were you guys still friends or kind of, uh, you know, I mean, friendly, not friendly? No, I don't think it was not friendly. I mean, we were friendly. Um, uh, I know that we went to Hawaii um, at one point. Um, another friend of mine who's actually dying right now uh, was uh, went to Hawaii with us um, at some point. Um, Remember roughly when that was? Jeez, oh, um, let me think. Mm, I'd have to check my pictures, um, or I'd, I'd say I'd ask Greg, but my friend Greg is like dying of liver cancer right oh. now. Um, yeah, I mean, I you know. And you were it, saying that. Um, it's 2009 now. Had you ever met his wife? I may have. Do you know, do you remember her name or anything or? Um, um, or what she did for a living or where she worked or anything um, about her? Well, I think she, I, I'm going to say, I think she was a nurse. Um, and I can't even remember how he, he said he met her. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's been so long ago. Well, let me ask you, did you go to their wedding, you know? No, I didn't go to their wedding. Um, no, I don't, did not go to their wedding. Um, couldn't even tell you what year he got married. I mean. <laughs> you didn't go to their wedding because you weren't invited, you psycho bitch. <laughs> Yo, this bitch is wild. She's fucking up. She's hilarious, though. On some real shit. She's fucking hilarious. Because she... <laughs> no, I didn't go. No, I didn't go. And then, so, I don't know if you guys noticed how they just baited her to, to, to catch her in a lie. So, they know about her confrontation at the hospital. They know about it already. And that's why they asked, hey, do you know his wife, like, her name or anything like that? just to see her answer and she like you can't see her face but she's given the the like oh i'm confused like mm, oh, i can't remember that shit like uh. and the, <laughs> and then they ask like you don't remember like maybe what she does for a living and stuff like that <laughs> and they know that she knows because she fucking confronted her at the hospital so it, it's just it's it's just funny to see 
how shitty of a liar she is, honestly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's been a million years ago. You remember if you ever talked to her? Because it seems like a lot of you who were at, at the school at UCLA, you guys kind of were friends during and after school. So I don't know if you guys still associated afterwards when, once he was married or anything. With him? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I would say, you know, the, the people that were on the dorm floor... We'd have, we did get-togethers. Um, there's probably like four or five. I don't think he ever came. Um, yeah, I don't think, no. It was, there was like, it was mostly girls, you know. Um, a girl named Smita, Diane. Um, there's another, there's two Dianes. But the one Diane, I don't think she ever came. I kind of lost contact with her. We were good friends on the floor. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, again, I, I mean, what... You know, I don't understand why you're talking about some guy I dated a million years ago. Well, do you know what happened to his wife? Yeah, I know she got killed. What, um, did, you, what did you hear about that? I, I saw a poster at work. Um, I'm sure I spoke to him about it. Um, I think I spoke to another friend of his about it. Um, and how did... So... Man... You guys have to watch this interrogation because you can you can hear it in her voice a little bit but you have to see her mannerisms really to understand the full depth of how these these detectives are just eating her ass up and they know it they, every time she reacts to certain questions like do you know what happened to his wife like she was killed and like she stood up in her seat and like got excited about it kind of um, and then they ask, like, how did you, how did you know? And then she, like, kind of slouches back in her seat, and she's, she's like, um, you need a poster at work? Like, bitch, you, shut up. <laughs> a poster at work. Jesus Christ, who taught you how to fucking lie? You fucking suck. Get your lie game up, girl. Good God, like, you're like an amateur liar. <laughs> how did you first learn about that? Jeez. Someone could have called me. I could have heard it at work. Um, I think at one point there may have been a flyer or something. I know a good friend of his... Um, Were you on the job back then when that happened? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'm sure I was on the job. That's why I would have heard about it with the flyer. Um, he had a good friend, Mike... Mike... Foldrick? Mike... Mm. Um... Anyways, a, 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 he may have lived in the dorms. I don't remember if that's how I met him. Um, I, I may have talked to him. I mean, you know, I don't remember how I heard. I mean, I don't even remember what year it was. And you think, you, you thought, you said you thought his wife was a nurse. Do you have any idea where she was working at the time? Or did oh. he ever mention that to you? Was it a hospital or a doctor's office? I'm or? sure he must have mentioned it. Now, now that you're bringing that up, I think she worked at a hospital somewhere. And yeah, I may have met her at a hospital. Um, I may have talked to her once or twice. Um, at, a, at a hospital? Or more, um, you know. Being that you were kind of used to see... Uh... <laughs> they're giving her a chance. They're, they're literally like, they're, they're like, at a hospital, at a hospital. Like, just tell us about your confrontation, bitch. We're, we know about your shit. <laughs> like, they're giving her every opportunity <laughs> to just be like... Yeah, the fucking hospital. Fuck, you got me. <laughs> she just she won't take it. 
<laughs> Dumb bitch. <laughs> I don't even remember where he was living then. Uh, you know, I... Well, after, I don't... Well, let me ask you, after he hooked up with... Uh, you mean if he was living on Roscoe or wherever else he was living? Right. Well, after he hooked up with, uh, with Sherry, do you know uh, where they were living? <laughs> you asked me that already. And I said, well, obviously, you were living in Van Nuys Division. Yeah. <laughs> um, I may have known. I mean, I, you know, again, I, you know, did he ever. Once again, they're giving her a chance. Bitch, you should have taken it, you goofball. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're once again giving her that opportunity to just tell them because they, they they keep on giving her those bait questions like do you know where they live and they know you know where they live they know you visited them they know you harassed her <laughs> it's like uh this girl uh, but that's that's the one reason they wanted this like catch her off guard thing you see why give me the address I, I, maybe you know, I don't remember. I mean, I don't know. Because the only reason I'm asking you again is because as we've been talking, I know some stuff has come to you because you're like, oh, it's like you should. know. So that's why I'm asking if you've ever been to the house. And when you said Van Eyes Division, you know, I'm just. I'm sure he could have told me. I mean, he could have told me. He could have told me where he lived. Um, so now she's trying to build in you know, an excuse or a reason when they're like, well, we know you've been to this place, blah, blah, blah. And you've been, you, you confronted her and you brought your ski. Like they can, they can like build evidence on her with that lie. But she kind of like puts a wall up by saying what she just said. Like he may have told me where he lived. So when they do come at her with the, we know you visited like i told you i may have known and yeah i may have gone like it's been so long like she keeps she keeps reaffirming that it's been so long like i can't remember anything well i'm, I'm just you know boo, boo, boo. <laughs> like your excuse isn't working baby girl uh try again um let's 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 do it again um but this time work on your lying skills uh but yeah, you will see that she she just keeps on digging her hole deeper and deeper and deeper with her lies. And I appreciate her lying because <laughs> without it, um, I mean, w without it, they still would have got her. But it just made the case better for them. Yeah, if I went there for something social, yeah. Okay. I mean, because I know you, you went to talk to her. At, at the hospital uh, regarding this issue with John to, you know, kind of like, hey, you know, what's going to happen here with this thing? But would this ever have followed up to her house when you went to talk to her to say, hey, you know what? I, I don't even know that I knew where they lived. I, you know, that's what I'm saying. I don't, if I knew where they lived and I'd been there, if it was for something social, I, I would, I'm, I'm, and I can't see how many times I, I saw her face to face. You know, he lived on Roscoe. Did I ever see her there? I don't know. I mean, I may have seen her at his apartment on Roscoe. I may have met her there. I, you know, I, I mean... But she didn't have any issues with her, right? 
No, I mean, you know, obviously, if he was dating me and dating her, I probably said, hey, pick or something, you know, sure. you know back That's then. Um, I can't say that we ever screamed or, you know, it's, I mean, he was a pretty mellow guy, you know, um, I think I was pretty mellow. I, I don't, I don't think we had some big, huge blow up to say, you know, why we stopped dating or, you know, and I even think that when I was dating him, I was probably, like I said, I was probably going out with other guys and he was probably going out with other girls. Right. You know, I don't know. I mean, would you remember if she snapped on you and just like, hey, man, it's my man, you know, you get it, leave him alone, you know, blah, 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 that kind of stuff? You know. And would you remember an incident like that? I mean, because that would be like, what? Uh, well, you know, and maybe that happened. I mean, uh, gosh, I, you know. It's been so long ago. I, you know, I just, I mean, that's not ringing a bell. Mm -hmm. um, because the times I've seen you around at our office. I'm crazy. <laughs> you know, but you're always you know. kind of like real, I mean, you seem kind of bubbly. Oh, I'm, I'm you know, people think I'm really hyper. Um, but I can, I mean, I can get, I can get upset, you know, and, and, and then I forget five seconds later, you know, you know how guys. Hey, at least she admits it. Nah, she's crazy. <laughs> but no, nah, it's just funny that she she said that. It was when she said, I'm crazy. Like her face like lit up like, Yes, you are. I'm glad you know that. <laughs> I'm glad that you have acknowledged that you are a psychotic bitch <laughs> that needs um serious counseling and I hope you get it. But she doesn't get it. She instead did some other stupid shit. But I digress. And let's get back into it. Recall if he did tell me where he met her. I don't know even who these friends are. A problem. Like I said, if I spoke to her, I mean, I'll go on as far as a limb. And I don't even want to say I spoke to her five times because that's probably not even true. I, I, I can't even remember. Um... Again, did I meet him at our place when he, you know, he lived on Roscoe for, I think, uh, quite a while, but I couldn't tell you how long he lived in Roscoe. And the only reason I remember the place now is because it's like a huge dope, dope place now where they, you know, it, it may have been back then, but, you know, maybe we didn't know back then. Um, I could have met her there. I could have, you know, uh, I, you know, I don't even know that I met any of their friends. I, I, you know, I don't, I, I, I can't say that. I don't know that that's a true statement. Well, that's what I'm reading is that you guys have problems with each other and words are being exchanged and it's all relating to John. <laughs> you know what? I, 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 I just, I can't say. Can't say? No, I, that, that doesn't even ring a bell. Mm -hmm. I mean. I mean, it's like, yeah, you would recall something if somebody's would, going off think, on you, right? I would think, I mean, I would think. Yeah. You would think, um, but you would also think that you wouldn't want to admit to it if you know that it would make you look bad. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, once again, just keeps on digging, and she doesn't even realize that she's digging, I don't think, at this point. Um, the realization will hit her eventually, but I'm glad she doesn't realize it because she just keeps on digging that fucking hole. I would think. Yeah. Um, because it's, but that's, I, you know. It seems like your relationship with John was kind of 
I mean, you've known each other for a lot of years. Yeah, it was just kind of, it was like, <sighs> But it doesn't seem to me, from what you tell me, it's... I mean, we were never engaged. I mean, right. it wasn't like we were planning to get married. Um, you know, it was like, it, it was, uh, I don't know how to describe it. I mean... Would you say there wasn't a lot of drama in this relationship? Oh, no, I don't think there was drama. Okay. Yeah, so I mean... That's why I'm asking, as far as what the friends are saying in regards to this, you know, the problems that they're saying you were having with, with Sherry. I mean, it seems you know, like the relationship is just going on even plain. That just, uh, I, I, that, I don't have a recollection of that at all. No? No. Because from what you're telling me is when you guys met at the hospital, uh, I mean, you guys talked, but it wasn't, from what you recall, confrontational from either side. Oh, man, they gave us so many opportunities to just be like, yeah, we had a confrontation, but nothing came out. Like, like, come up with something better. If they're asking you about that, they know about the incident. <laughs> How do you not get that? <laughs> and they've asked her multiple times about this at this point. So it's, it's like, you still haven't realized that they know about the incident, so maybe you should just admit to what really happened. <laughs> oh, man, her stupidity keeps on digging her deeper and deeper. But, as I said, she she won't realize it until it's too late. And I'm glad that she didn't, because it's, it's funny to listen to it. <laughs> I know I'm wrong. I'm mean, guys. I'm a mean guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Back then. Let's see. What year? Or are you like one of those young cops of like, oh, I got a paycheck and bought a new car? Oh, no, no, no. I've only had like a few cars in my whole life. So what'd you have when you came on the job? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, my first car was a 68 Chevelle. Mm -hmm. 68 Chevelle. And then I had a Toyota. Some kind of a Toyota um, hatchback, but I forget what the name of it was. Um, like a Corolla or Tercel or Tercel. something like that. Tercel. Yeah. And then my I dad had my truck. Did you ever have any problems with your cars? Like what? anything in general car wrecks anything stolen. yeah no my car's never been stolen oh no crashed hit and run um uh, hit and, i mean my tercel was hit and run like and i got i got pictures of the hit and runs um hey i don't think any of my cars had ever been stolen no my cars haven't been stolen broken into um, None of that, huh? Oh, yeah. They, my cars have been broken into. Um, you know, but no cars have ever been stolen. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Well, when, tell me about this uh, car getting broken into. Well, my car has been broken into several times. Oh, really? Did you ever lose anything? Or? Yeah. Now that you mention it, let's see. I had a gun that was stolen. Uh, I had other stuff that was stolen. Not your duty gun, was 
No. Has um, it ever recovered? I don't know. No, I don't think so. Not that I know of. So, I don't know if you guys noticed that he he walked her basically into that. He was like, oh, car, tell me more about that. Oh, anything ever stolen? And first thing she emphasized, and the only thing she emphasized, I had a gun stolen. She had to emphasize that to make sure they know, like, I didn't have a thirty-eight. <laughs> but it's like, yo, you do realize I you reported that shit. Never mind. <laughs> it's like when she reported it really didn't help her in any way. And uh it's quite funny that she thinks that it I think she thinks it helped her, but it did not help her in any way. If anything, it probably hurt her. <laughs> to uh, try to use that shit as an alibi. But, yeah, these detectives, God, man, I just love the way they they work her ass, man, because they play her like a fucking fiddle, man. So beautiful. to that. That's why I watch a lot of interrogations. It's beautiful to watch um, uh, the psychology of it and just just to see the, the techniques they use to, to trip people up. It's just, man. It's really interesting. It's really interesting. Sometimes, you know, unfortunately, these techniques backfiring and innocent people can seem guilty. So sometimes it's bad. But the way these guys did it, it was just it's masterful. Um, the way they just walk her through and just listen to her fuck up. <laughs> would it be something? I would think I would remember. Yeah. I mean, I'm. Uh, if you're into something, think so too. If you're into other girl's house and. But words are exchanged. I mean, you figured, you recall. I would think. Especially if they got physical, right? Well, I would think. And it's relating to, you know, a guy that you were dating and that she's dating now, you know, and it's yeah. just kind of like a whole love triangle type of thing. I mean, you figured you remember that, right? Well, I would think. So. I mean, I want to still tell you. Yeah. No, because I'm, I mean, I'm trying to. I'm looking at the notes and people are kind of, I mean, they're pointing the finger at you. Well, and, I mean, that's not ringing a bell to me. So, you know, I don't know, you know, it's, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that just sounds crazy to me. Yeah. So you, offhand, you don't recall ever going into her house and having words and physically, you know, no, attacking I mean, her or attacking you. No. Nothing like that? No, I mean, that's, no. Nothing. No. No. Not a well then, uh, explain your fucking DNA, bitch. Of course you can't explain her fucking DNA. I mean, of course, she's not going to be able to, but uh, they're not going to ask her that. Don't worry. Um, I wish they did. <laughs> like, uh, well then, explain this. <laughs> Um, but so they're, they're going to wrap up the interrogation basically now. Um, but they're only wrapping it up because Stephanie wants to wrap it up and you'll see she, uh, she starts to realize, oh fuck, this is bad. <laughs> this because, because now it sounds like, you know, there's, you know, you're selling these people say I'm a fighting with her and now it sounds like you're trying to, you know, 
I've been doing this a long time. Yeah, we know. Okay. And, and now it almost sounds like you're trying to pin something on me. Okay. Now I, I got that sense. Well, what it gets to on these on these cases, and you know it as well as I do, our job is to identify and eliminate suspects. I can't believe this. So if we ask you to a point, give us a DNA sample, a buccal swab, so we can identify or eliminate you, would you be willing to do that? Maybe. Because well, I know this. I, 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 I... Well, that's where we're at, too. I mean, because right now, from looking at the evidence, it's, you know, it's possible we may have some DNA at the location. That's right. And we're going to do what we can to try to put this thing together. And your name's in the book. These people are pointing at you for whatever reason. I don't know why. And that's just crazy. I mean, that's just, that's absolutely crazy. And it would be irresponsible on our part not to look at it. I know. You guys have to do your job. And, and I guess I'm going to have to contact somebody. So... That's fair. I mean, because I, I know how this stuff works. Sure. I mean, I, 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 I just can't believe it. That's I right. Guess. We we understand that. I mean, if we were in your position, I mean, we would feel the same way. I, I just can't even believe it. I mean, it's just. I, I mean, I'm shocked. I'm really shocked that somebody would be blamed, saying that I did this. I mean, we had a fight, so I went and killed her. I mean, come on. Well, That's. Okay. All right. Oh man, yeah. Please, please watch it, cause yeah, that that last bar, she's like, I'm sh I'm shocked, I'm shocked. Fuck, I'm, she just she's just looking down like, fuck, I'm so fucked right now. <laughs> she she knows she knows the walls are coming down and coming down fast and hard. So it is, uh, yes, it's not good for. Her. <laughs> so. Now they pretty much have uh, have her, and uh, they they told her about the DNA, so it's a wrap. Um, but they still uh, they said that she still was free to go, so she left, and immediately after leaving, of course, as the plan went, arrested her. Um, so after arresting her, they searched her car in her home and her work area and they found that damning fucking journal that she uh that she had that showed her obsession for john and her hate for sherry uh shit was stacking on her and she knew it and she knew it was getting bad and many cops that knew stephanie uh were actually in shock because you know to most she was a great detective in person you, you know all the stuff she did in the community stuff she did for fellow officers and their families uh, she was a good cop. She never had complaints, never had any investigations on her. I mean, for the most part, she was your ideal, like what you want a cop to be <laughs> besides a killer. Um, so <laughs> still, you know, the LAPD allowed her to officially retire early and she was sent to county jail. And upon <laughs> sent to county jail, uh, that judge, he, uh, or excuse me, the judge fucking hated, hated crooked cops because what that judge did against prosecution's suggestions was over everyone's head. So the usual bond for a murder like this would usually be a million dollars. That's those high profile murders. Usually you see those get a million dollars. Phil Spector. I can't remember what OJ's was, but it was up there. Um, but 
This judge said, fuck you, you crooked piece of fucking shit, and gave her ass $10 million bond. Slay her. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it just, just wasn't about that bullshit, man. You gonna be a crooked cop? Not on my watch. So, before we get into the trial, we gotta talk about a few of the defense's pre-trial attempts to get the case and evidence thrown out because they tried, uh, all of them failed, <laughs> of course. And, um, yeah, it was yeah, decent attempts. You know, her, her defense was, you know, pretty good, but, uh, yeah, prosecution was better. So they tried, uh, they tried a bunch of different techniques to beat the system. First, they tried to say that Stephanie's due process was violated because she was never identified as a suspect by the initial detectives. And he pointed to Sherry's father's uh, attempts to get the LAPD involved, even though they never fucking listened to the poor guy. Um, and the fact that 23 years have passed. So the quality of evidence, as he says, had been degraded. Uh, this didn't work, of course, and was denied. So they tried a new strategy. So then they tried to use the, quote, truth and evidence provision of the California Constitution, requiring that the long delay in bringing charges, which adversely affected the quality of evidence, which might otherwise have allowed him to make a better case that there were other suspects or that the evidence against Stephanie uh, was not as solid as the prosecution claimed, should be considered sufficiently negligent on the state's part to justify dismissing the case. They used the example of one of the witnesses of the confrontation between Sherry and Stephanie at the hospital was now dead, so they couldn't corroborate this prosecution's case. Uh, basically saying, you know, hey, this person died, so how the hell do we know that, you know, what was really, what really happened? You know, we can't corroborate anything that the prosecution just presented uh, without this person's testimony. And I get that, but also, fuck you. <laughs> Didn't work. Uh, her defense then tried to get the search of her home, car, and workspace to be thrown out. That was denied as a motion uh, because it was just weak. Uh, then they tried to get her initial interrogation with detectives thrown out because under the Garrity warning, a government employee must answer questions under an administrative proceeding. But the prosecution ate this shit up arguing that she wasn't under any proceeding that applied the Garrity warning. Therefore, it did not apply to her until after she was arrested. Because at that point, when they had her in that interrogation room, they were just talking to her. It wasn't anything official. It was nothing. And the judge agreed, of course, because, yeah, that's what it was. And he said... Fuck your motion. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, his last motion came a year later when he tried to get the DNA thrown out because a new test was used to gather and identify the evidence and argued she was entitled to retesting. But the judge again, fuck you, uh, said, nah, get, get the fuck out of here, dude. Uh, just to, had to explain uh, that it just it was just another form of the PCR test most commonly used. So, in other words, fuck your motion is what the judge said. <laughs> so, yeah, throw all that bullshit out of there. Um, and I love it. I, I, I love when those defense attorneys just get fucking eaten alive. <laughs> and but, but eaten alive the right way. Because, yeah, if you do it the wrong way, then you got pieces 
pieces of shit getting off on some bullshit technicality that it's like, really? This motherfucker got off? But uh, I got a homie in prison for some weed? Hey. Uh, so, now uh, let's let's talk about this trial. The, the trial began in 2012. So, yeah, not that long ago. Uh, just a, sh- a short eight and a half years ago, honestly. Uh, in, uh, damn, I gotta think about it, man. I was... Yeah, I was living in L.A. when this went down. <laughs> nah, I, I just I just now thought about that. Wow. Uh, yeah, I was out there at this time. So uh, in 2012, the uh, trial began uh, in Los Angeles County Superior Court. Prosecutors argued Stephanie's motive for the murder was jealousy over Sherry Rasmussen's relationship with John Rudin. In his opening argument, prosecutor Shannon Presby summed up the case as Quote, a bite, a bullet, a gun barrel, and a broken heart. That's what the evidence, uh, that's the evidence that will prove to you that defendant Stephanie Lazarus murdered Sherry Rasmussen, end quote. Um, so, the, the, I mean, that's pretty much how they, they presented their case laid out with those four things as being the center point. Uh, a highlight of the case was John's testimony. Several times he became emotional and wept, particularly when recalling his courtship with Sherry. He allowed uh, that having sex with uh, Stephanie while he was engaged to his future wife was a mistake, a fucking critical mistake, you piece of shit. John, you motherfucker, you ain't owning enough. You need to own that shit more, motherfucker. Um, uh, so in cross-examining the police detectives, and other technicians who had originally investigated the killing, Overland stressed the original uh, botched burglary theory and pointed to evidence, um, bullshit evidence, uh, such as similar burglary that happened shortly thereafter that he claimed supported it. It wasn't that similar, so that was dumb. Uh, (laughs) He also highlighted evidence that was not analyzed, such as the bloody fingerprint on one of the walls to suggest uh, that other suspects had been inadequately uh, or had not been adequately excluded from consideration. He then questioned whether if uh, whether it could be truly inferred from the weapon used that it was Stephanie's lost gun as 38s were in wide use. They were everywhere. Everyone had a fucking 38. Uh, also stupid. Yeah, I mean, not stupid, but also not weak. That was weak. <laughs> uh, since the DNA from the bite mark was central to the prosecution's case, he attacked that shit the most. He attacked it like a goddamn a rabid, goddamn monster dog just rawr, going at it, uh, pointing to improper storage procedures and a hole in the tube had left in, uh, that was, had been left in the envelope that he said could have allowed or would have allowed Stephanie's DNA to be added to it long after it had been collected. Yeah, her fucking DNA is just floating around there. So during the two days uh, in which he presented his chief uh, or his case in chief, Overland focused on the prosecution's theme of a lovelorn uh, Stephanie, presenting friends of hers who denied that she was ever showing any signs of violence uh, over her failed relationship with John at the time of the murder. And uh, I just want to say those friends, I get it. 
she's your friend and yeah do what you got to do and tell the truth but at the end of the day uh the reason why that was so weak is because you know you can just like not act like that shit's affecting you around your friends <laughs> you know the same way people act like they're not getting cheated on around their friends or you know physically or mentally abused or you know this you know people lie to their friends about their relationship sometimes uh or lack thereof <laughs> it happens so experts uh, uh excerpts excuse me from uh her journal were offered as evidence Stephanie wrote in it of dating several different men, none of them being John. Uh, he reinforced his attack on the forensic evidence, calling it uh, as his last witness, a fingerprint expert who had uh, who had said that some of the prints at the crime scene did not match those of Stephanie's. Oh, OK, cool. Yeah, that eliminates hers. But were her fingerprints there? OK, that's that's all we need. <laughs> uh, so both prosecution and defense reiterated their themes in closing arguments. After showing the jury the eight women, uh, showing the jury of eight women and four men photographs of a beaten, bloodied Sherry, prosecutor Paul Nunez told them, "quote It wasn't a fair fight. This was prey caught in a cage with a predator." End quote. So Overland dismissed the entire case as circumstantial quote, fluff and fill, uh, save for your, uh, f save for the compromised bite mark DNA sample. So, uh, yeah, I mean, can't explain the DNA, can you, bro? <laughs> but it was compromised, so that's what it was. Okay. <laughs> uh, he moved for a mistrial after Nunez reminded the jurors that he uh, that uh, no alibi had been provided for the time of the murder, since defendants' refusal to testify cannot be held against them, but Perry denied it, saying he did not take that as a fucking directly suggesting that Stephanie herself had refused to testify. Like that's just dumb, bro. And thus, her Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination had not been violated. Sit your ass down, Overland. <laughs> Uh, so in March, after several days of deliberation, Stephanie, then 52, was convicted of first-degree murder. Bye-bye, bitch. Uh, and then later that month, she was then sentenced to 27 years to life in prison. Uh, and she is currently serving her sentence at the California Institution for Women in Corona. So if you want to give her a visit, write her a letter, there you go. You can send her something. Uh, send her something mean. <laughs> Fucker. So after credit for the time served before the trial, which is a lot of fucking time, she was uh, 2000 fucking, what was it? I mean, yeah, that was a long time. Um, so she, uh, she, she has a chance to gain her freedom eventually. I mean, she'll be 74 when her parole comes up, but, um, you know, parole might not be, uh, an option for, and you know, prison ages you a lot, a lot longer or a lot harder than, um, you know, the real world out here. It, it, it 74 is that's, that's up there for prison prison. That's like 94. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, likelihood of, of her walking out of those, those prison gates, probably slim, but she might. And if she does, 
I hope she has a terrible fucking just shitty life. Fuck her. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's the story of uh, Sherry, uh, story of uh, Stephanie Lazarus and, and Sherry Rasmussen, and how love can just lead someone to do the most outlandish, ridiculous, dumb, fucked up shit sometimes out of just pure obsession for another person and it's just it's sad it's sick it's twisted but you know we 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 have to understand that some of some of the actions of john contributed to it and some of the lack uh some of the actions that he didn't you know act on you know they definitely added on to some of this stuff But once again, I'm not blaming John. At the end of the day, he did not shoot Sherry. He did not attack Sherry. He didn't do what sh- what fucking Stephanie did. So Stephanie, at the end of the day, is the bitch in this fucking trial. John, you're a little bit of a fuckboy. Um, but I'll let you get a pass just because Stephanie's the center point of this whole thing. And fuck her. So, uh... Yeah, guys, just if you if you fall in love and you d- it doesn't work out or if you have a fling and you start having those tingly feelings uh, and it doesn't work out, just just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for real, let that shit go because it's just stupid. Why would you why would you fucking risk it for some pussy? Really? Shut the fuck up, fire truck. <laughs> Motherfucker out there fucking honking your shit so loud. <laughs> I'm doing a fucking podcast in here, bitch. Uh anyways. Uh so that wraps this one up. But th- this next one, uh, I'm not I'm not it's no more women. Um you women have killed enough people. <laughs> We're going to the men. Uh, and this one is a little different. Uh, we'll be talking about Grant Amato. Uh, some of you may have heard of this case. It's not that old. Um, it, it's not, I think it happened. Fuck. I'm brain farting, but it's not that old. Happened within the last, you know, 10, 15 years. So, um, Grant Amato was just a sick, twisted guy that killed his fucking family for love. Well, perceived love. Um, and the sad part was the love was one of the most unreciprocated things ever because at least Stephanie, you know, she got some, some, some fucking sex out of it. (laughs) She she got some, some hangouts and dates. (laughs) This guy, Grant Amato kills his family for a cam girl. And when I tell you the amount of money he spent on this cam girl, man. Y'all are going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with people? <laughs> and if you're not saying that, something's wrong with you. <laughs> Anyways, wrap this one up. I got to I gotta start working on editing that episode and working on that one. Because I got to fucking combine all this shit in today. Because the discombobulation yesterday and all the bullshit I had to deal with today with fucking i don't even want to talk about it (laughs) anyways thank you for joining me today don't forget to support the podcast uh buymeacoffee.com forward slash token talk 
go there, follow us. Uh, the link to subscribe and to uh, donate or just to subscribe monthly will be added on next week. And you guys can support the podcast through that as well. That way will be really appreciated because then I can, you know, add fun things, add more content, you know, get a little more creative and uh, have some more fun with this thing. Uh, Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you later. Peace. Hey, guys. I'd like to uh, also give a nice little shout out. Make sure you guys go check out my good friends at Last Call Nation. Uh, Last Call Nation's a great merchandise brand and lifestyle brand that just promotes living the good life and also just living life to the fullest. Uh, Make sure you go visit them at lastcallnation.com. Also follow them on Instagram at lastcallnation. And check them out on Facebook as well. Make sure you like their page. And make sure you purchase some of that merch. It's some pretty cool, cool stuff on there too. Uh, I uh, just ordered one of my shirts. So I should be getting that soon. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely be uh, plugging them every single time, guys. Because like I said, amazing merch. Uh, also remember to make sure you share their page with your friends So that, you know, they can also live life to the fullest. And just remember, life is too short. So grab every good time you can because you never know when it's going to be your last call.